Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brands Tech. This episode of the interview show will begin in just one moment, so please stay tuned. Hello, everyone. This is Brandon, and welcome back to Brands Tech Interview Show. How are you all? I hope that everyone is doing well and is staying safe. So today, I am very happy to have my guest for today, Tess. Thank you so much for being here. You're very welcome, Brandon. I'm happy to be here. That is really great to hear. And so the way that I always start off each of my podcast interviews is by first of all asking, how are you doing today? I've had a wonderful morning. We are having beautiful weather up here in New York City, mid 70s and sunny. I can't ask for anything else. Well, that is really great to hear. And so before we get started, I do want to actually give some time for you to go ahead and introduce yourselves to the podcast audience so that way they can become familiar with you. Sure. So I am a junior um, studying at Barnard College of Columbia University in New York City, and I major in environmental biology with a minor in physics, um, with that minor in physics really being because of a passion that I have for remote sensing from Virginia Space Grant Consortium. Well, that is really great to hear. And I'm sure the people at the Virginia Space Grant Consortium um, really appreciate that, that shout out. And so if any of them are listening, you know, thank you for listening. But but yeah, and so I guess my first question I'll ask you is, so what really got you interested in the whole STEM field? Right, so I have very much always been a lover of STEM. Like since I was young, I definitely grew up in a period where there was a lot of energy being put into guiding women into STEM, making sure that they knew that that was an option. Um, so I think that I definitely benefited from having a lot of, you know, talking heads in my childhood saying that I should um, stick with it if it's something that I enjoy. But it definitely is varied as far as, you know, what part interests or disinterests me. I started out wanting to be an astronaut. And my joke now is that I still do want to work for NASA, but I'm going to launch up a satellite, not myself. I'm going to sit down here and enjoy it from the comfort of my own home. Wow. Well, that is great to hear. And, and yeah, I mean, there definitely are so many different yeah sides of NASA, like especially outside of, you know, that those that we think about. And so, and so I like um, the last part they just said about, yeah, that while you may be launching, yeah, that people into space, it won't be you. Yeah. <laughs> And mm -hmm. so, and so I guess over the years, like what really, I guess, yeah, helped you determine like what exactly you want to major in now, like, especially like, I'm not sure for you if it started like, yeah, as far back as like, yeah, elementary school or, or, or earlier, or if it started like middle school, high school or. Right, definitely not. So my major is environmental biology, like I said, but just putting it out there a second time, but it's actually a major that doesn't appear at a lot of colleges. Um, so once I figured out that I really loved earth system science from my participation with VESS and their program and all of the mentors who are doing it in their real life as well, I started looking out for, you know, an earth science major that is less political and more earth systems focused, more thinking about, you know, the intersection of a lot of different spheres, because that's how my brain enjoys thinking about it. So that's how I came about to environmental biology. But I mean, that wasn't until high school that I started figuring out specifically, you know, like how I think best, what topics 
were the most interesting to me. And that absolutely, I, I sing the praises of the Virginia Space Grant all the time, but that's just because that's where I found what I love. So. Well, that is really great to hear. And I know that on my podcast, I've spoken, yeah, we've spoken a few times with various different guests about the space grant and in fact i had the director of the virginia space grant consortium miss sandy on my podcast just several weeks ago now so so i'm sure that my listeners are at least somewhat familiar to the programs but are you actually able to tell us a little bit about yeah some of your experiences with the program as well yeah absolutely so i moved to virginia when i was coming into my freshman year so i got involved with their 9th through 12th grade programs the summer after I finished that first year of high school. And my dad was actually the one who found the program. He's a pilot originally for the military and then a couple different places since he's retired. But he found the program for me and I went to BLAST, which is very much the best way that I explain it is kind of, you know, like science camp, but a little bit more science-y than just science camp. But it was a really fun introduction. And after that, the programs get much more into mission development. And the first time that I did the Earth System Science Scholars Program, which is what I was just referring to as really piquing my interest in environmental biology was the summer after my junior year was when I attended that program as a scholar and in the following summers I've always returned as an intern since then I really fell in love with that specific program. Well that is really great to hear and I know that yeah from personal experience that that program you know you could either you know be a junior or senior and I know you're just talking about the summer academy portion but how was your experience with the the course itself as well? Oh absolutely so the course for the junior and senior programs are definitely intensive. But what I will say is that I have the most experience with writing scientific papers of anyone that I know. Um, And that's a skill that I've been continuing to fall back on in all my science classes since I have continued to go on with science. Um, All of my lab courses, I'm required to use those skills to think about when I'm writing up formal lab reports. Um, But I definitely remember in my junior year of high school being very much hands-on with that course um, when I was frantically trying to finish them on the Saturdays they were due. (laughs) Wow well at least I gave you some experience and essentially a whole like year or two head start on yeah on college work as well like ahead of yeah, probably a lot of the other people that went to you know high school with you. Cause... Oh, absolutely. Enforcing the APA style in that course definitely taught me all of the basics that I still have to use now. That is really great. And so I know that you mentioned that, you know, of course, you've been an intern with the program for the very summers afterwards. And so out of curiosity, so I assume that the first time that you were intern, would that have been, let's see... You said um, after junior year. So I guess around the time that you graduated high school? Right. So the first time I came on as an intern, I was just freshly graduated from high school. I was 18. Um, And it was a really incredible experience to have an internship, you know, straight out of high school. But it also was very interesting for the reason that I was essentially the same age as a lot of the scholars at that point. Um, And I have a very funny memory of being on the college question 
panel. Myself never having been to college yet. So it was, it was pretty funny having questions about like, oh, what's your experience in the dorms? Oh, how is studying on a college campus? I was like, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm sure that that is cool. that was quite an interesting experience. Yeah, doing that. And especially since it's like, you know, and actually, can you ask actually tell us a little bit since I don't know if my listeners know like truly what an intern for the program does. Right. So the Earth System Science Scholars Program, the students are tasked with creating a mission plan for remote sensing of one of the Earth's spheres. And the mentor's role in that is the knowledge. The intern's role in that is really coordination and experience of how the actual Um, components of a mission plan need to fit together, right? So a lot more logistic questions um, is what I've gotten very good at about, you know, team coordination, communication that's effective, all of those soft skills that are really necessary but are often overlooked by the scholars in their first couple days. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, as a personal, yeah, I guess personally adding on to that too, I can definitely, yeah, test that. And, And so how was, and I think one of the last things I'll say about this particular program before I move on to other questions is, I guess, how was the difference for you being, well, one, being a student and then an intern and then being in person as an intern to virtual? Because I mean, those are quite different experiences. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm very lucky to have done the program in person twice at this point, and then now also virtually twice at this point. Um, And I am absolutely blown away by the projects that the students can produce in both formats. But (laughs) the virtual format was really not working for me this last summer. And I feel like a lot of the scholars were probably feeling that as well, because most of my issue with it being virtual is just that, you know, I I didn't want to be on my computer for a full week. I wanted to be at a research center, walking around, being on tours, you know. And those are the experiences that being, you know, in person at Langley and looking at the website of Langley, you know, they don't compare exactly the same. And I absolutely value so much the like, the brag that, you know, I got to spend time on Langley as a high schooler in my summer you know, meeting people that were important and doing real life work. And I do miss that for students who attended virtually. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, next year, so I guess summer 2022. Wow, it's scary how, first of all, just ending summer 2021, that's scary to think about. It's like 2022, while it sounds so far away, it's also like so close at the same time. Like, where's the time going? At this point, the time is fine, yes. Yeah, but... Hopefully, you know, it will be able to be in person there. And so hopefully some of the, you know, the scholars for this year and last year are able to intern in person and really get some of that experience or, you know, come back in some way, shape or form. I hope so as well. Yeah. And so for you, I know that you mentioned that that you currently attend college in, in New York City. So how was that? Yeah. How has that been for you, especially... Because I believe you actually told me earlier that you've actually moved quite a bit of times. Right. So I definitely was more open to the idea of going to a college that's far away from home because I was a military kid growing up. And, you know, moving wasn't ever something that I could shy away from, much less, you know, it wasn't something I chose or dischose, but it did happen. And I have the experience of it. So when I got to college, um, I really was in the mindset of, you know, choosing the best school that I could regardless of 
really distance. I wanted to stay on the East Coast because a flight to and from home is a little bit too much for me. But five and a half hours away is totally manageable. And I just really, really loved the energy of the city. And I think that's shared by essentially anyone who's ever actually had a chance to live here. Um, you know, it truly is a unique experience. And I'm very grateful that, you know, despite the pandemic, which um, closed my college's dorming last year, me and my roommates were able to secure a place in the city because, you know, I think a lot of what's helped me, you know, get better, you know, in quotes at college is really coming into my own list. Like, you know, I am an adult who is also learning. Like there's a lot of maturity that comes along with doing well in college that I think is overlooked. So having an opportunity to, you know, have my own apartment for the last year and then this year again, where I have my own like minuscule adult responsibilities of, you know, keeping my home tidy, putting away my clothes. Those kind of things can be nice distractions um, in my day to day, despite, you know, having a lot of schoolwork besides. <laughs> it's a nice break. But I think your question was, oh my goodness, I completely diverged from your question just about the experience in New York City. Um, I definitely got more comfortable with, you know, the neighborhood outside of where just my campus is by being in an apartment. And, you know, that is also part of the fun of New York as you move five streets over and you're new, you're in a new neighborhood. So I've really come to appreciate, you know, the surrounding areas that are much more normal families than hordes of 21 year olds. <laughs> wow. And so had you been to New York City at all prior to, yeah, accepting, I guess, yeah, what is it called? Yeah, I guess, confirming your acceptance mm -hmm. to college. Right. Um, so I had come up for probably a handful of times on family trips. In the past six years or so, I would suppose my uh, a cousin on my mom's side actually moved out to Brooklyn. So that was another thing that I was thinking about in college too, was knowing that I did actually have a family member that, you know, is within a stone's throw if something genuinely wrong was ever happening. Yeah, well... Well, that's good at least that, yeah, and that if you ever need to, you know, get a hold of, yeah, family members or like even just want to see someone who may even be somewhat familiar when you started that, at least there's someone, you know, somewhat nearby. Absolutely. Seeing her in my second or third week of college was definitely a nice reprieve to, you know, go to her real apartment outside of a dorm, see her cats, be in her neighborhood in Brooklyn, feel like I was exploring. It's definitely very nice when I go and see her. Well, that is really great to hear. And so I know that you mentioned that, you know, that you're currently a junior. And so what are some of the things that you've really, you know, learned thus far that have, you know, either fascinated you or, or maybe even found interesting do or don't like? Yeah, I guess within your first two and a half, well, two and a few, two years and a few weeks into class. <laughs> two and a couple. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I had an experience that was very common for a lot of first years and that my first year experience was terrible. And coming out of high school as a student who always took pride in performing well, having a really hard time in your first year compounded by more difficult classes, which you then cannot do as well in because you're panicking about being a first year and being in your own at college is really hard. And I think that, you know, what I've learned is that what I was talking about a little bit before that first year, I was having a hard time, you know, feeling like an individual. 
I was feeling like a student of the college and that was essentially my own like my only identity and so I think that coming into college again as a junior with a year of separation from the campus is going to really make a big deal or like a big difference because, you know, the maturity that I was talking about includes having an idea of what your identity is and like feeling secure in yourself while you're also surrounded with a bunch of people that are like vaguely similar to you. Because, you know, that was a lot of my problem in college is, you know, it is self-selection. We put ourselves in a group of a lot of very similar people. And so it then becomes even easier to compare ourselves against them when you're living in, you know, bedrooms next door to each other, eating next door to each other, going to class together, you know. That's why I enjoy having a little bit of separation from school in my normal life. But as far as STEM, which I know is the topic of this podcast, um, things I've learned as far as like from my classes so far that have been super interesting for me have really come from, you know, labs and um, hands-on plant identification. I've done a lot of tree mensuration, which means that you're um, measuring the size of a tree at its diameter. um, And you can use allometric equations to determine the biomass from that, which is a very practical practical skill that foresters use to, you know, see the progress of forest growing and learning how to, you know, actually go into a forest and like use my book to figure out what kind of species it is so that I know which equation I should use is very satisfying once you get all of those steps clicked in and you know having the best experiences in my environmental science labs really secures you know how I'm feeling about my passions as well which is nice. That is really great to hear and I like that you know for all of it that you that you do sound like extremely passionate and like in what you're doing what you're learning and and that I assume that you really like the hands-on aspect of it that you're really able to see it touch it and you know really interact with the whole like the whole process. I think that, you know, really part of I like securing an identity separate from a group is like, you know, finding your passions, following them along and being unforgiving about them. And so out of everything that you've done, what would you say is probably the, you know, the biggest STEM passion that you've that you've had? Do you mean the biggest impact or my like biggest passion? What do you think? You could do both. Oh, okay. I think My most impactful experiences have definitely come while I was at college, while I was making decisions by myself. You know, there there is so much growth packed in a very small period, which is why I think everyone should go to college. And I'm very glad that that, you know, memento is being spread a lot in our generation is that everyone should go to college just because, you know, regardless of your experience or your major or anything your like biggest impact is going to be you know facing the decisions that you have to face to become like an independent adult and I don't mean in any way to talk bad of trade schools or anything like that because there are absolutely those same elements of you know deciding what you're gonna do establishing yourself as an adult in you know a separate vein from your parents is essentially all I can say is being the most impactful is really just you know setting your own path and all also not the path of everyone else that you're surrounded by <laughs> yeah yeah i i definitely agree to that i mean even though like yeah i've been attending myself virtual ever since yeah the pandemic started now 
doing it mm -hmm. by choice it's like it's still interesting because like for me it's like even though i'm still surrounded by you know like family members it's like all of the choices i need to make are like my own and it's like even though like for example there are like you know all of these assignments and stuff while i would love for for help on that i clearly cannot do that for several reasons yeah. and so it really all yeah and also there's a point uh you know once you're to college there are questions that your parents can't help you with you you are now the person who holds all of the information to make those decisions so do what you will <laughs> yeah yeah to sort of like you know you have to make the most of yeah, of your time and really be able to manage it all and, you know, try to somehow manage to fit everything you have to do into such a short period of time. Right. And parents aren't college advisors. They don't know. <laughs> yeah, that is quite true. It's like, and I think that's one of the things I've always tried to do too. Like, yeah, set, you know, set your own path and just, you know, really try to go from it from there. And, you know, while it's nice to have some assistance and everything, it's like, it's still your own decisions to make. And so any decision feels better if it was really your own. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess, and, and correct, and if I already access, um, please disregard, because I don't remember if I did or not. But what is one of the greatest lessons you've learned? Yeah, in all of this, and it can even be a personal lesson as well. Hmm, let me think. I think that the biggest lesson that I've learned is that, you know, not to run away from, I've always been like someone who enjoys being busy. And when I first came to college, I really came into, you know, a learning environment where you have classes for a very small period of the day and it's up to yourself to keep yourself busy for the rest of it. And, you know, I think it's really nice to have several interests that are going on in the day so that my brain can have something to think about. I have work, I have school, I have making food, I have cleaning my apartment, all very tangible things to me. And I like to stack up my calendar, you know. So if you know that you're, I think what I'm coming to is if you know that you're a certain type of person, keep that up because that's been working for you thus far. No need to run away from it and question yourself. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think that is also a great sentiment to have as well. And so, and so I guess for the next, you know, five minutes or so, is there anything else that you would like to, yeah, to discuss or anything I didn't, didn't get to um, while we still have some, some time? Because I definitely am really yeah, interested and intrigued by your whole, you know, your whole story and everything you said so far. By my philosophy, I feel very much like I've been preaching, but I'm glad you're enjoying. I mean, what I'd love to just talk about is absolutely the variety of STEM majors in colleges. I mean, a lot of, a lot of colleges have been expanding their STEM majors. That is where all of the innovations are being had. So although it does make it more difficult to, you know, apply into a major at a school, if you are thinking about STEM, it does give you a lot of opportunities to find a cross section or, you know, a combination of two vaguely similar things um, and turn them into, you know, a genuine, career path. And that's what I think is so cool about STEM is that there truly are so many different small nitty gritty categories that you can find yourself in if that is your passion. You know, if you like something, there's something for you to study in the STEM field that's about it. Like the the absolute explosion of subjects and research has been incredible in the last decade. 
I actually was just in my class on Friday. A professor showed us, you know, some sort of statistic about how many times this specific species showed up in scientific journals. And, you know, the percentage of the total that it was taking up was still impressive. But, you know, what really struck me was the total number of journals and how much that has expanded, like, exponentially. It's just there's exponential growth in the amount of research that's being done right now. So if there's something you're interested in, someone's thinking about it, too. Wow, that is quite fascinating. And, yeah, and I think... What's what's so interests me about like the whole STEM field is that there's so many different things you can do and like and so many different even like subsections of it. I mean, I mean it is like a combination of four, yeah, different but intertwined subjects of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. But mm-hmm. it's like it, it all works so well together. But at the same time, it's also yeah, depending on what you're doing, like separate at the same. Time. They're truly integral. They're truly integral. Right, can't have one without the other. Yeah, and I like that there's so many like different, like very vast fields. And even for you know, non-STEM majors such as myself, I mean, it's like there's so much you can do like even in the field without being in the actual major. Yeah, the parallels for STEM in the liberal arts are also there as well. Yeah, that is quite true. And so I guess what I'll ask for you before I, I, yeah, I go to my break is so, is so actually like, out of all of the different colleges and stuff, because I think I've asked questions around this, but I haven't actually asked this exact question. But yeah, out of mm-hmm. all the different colleges that I assume that, that you applied to, so what made you choose choose your current college out of curiosity? Right. So my mom in Richmond, Virginia, works at the University of Richmond. So what I was using to narrow my college search is their tuition exchange program. So there are a lot of very comparable colleges to the University of Richmond who will let employees use their tuition benefits for their kids at, you know, at these other colleges instead of just me having to go to the University of Richmond. Um, So while I was looking at that list, I came across Fordham University, which is also in the city, but in the Bronx. And I really liked it. it wasn't too competitive, but it also was just such a beautiful campus. And even though they didn't necessarily have like the best major for me, I was just absolutely so taken with, you know, the energy of the city, the energy of like this pristine, like old college dropped in the middle of the city. You know, I loved the aesthetic of all of it. And on the same trip where I went to tour, Fordham out there in the Bronx, we decided to come down into Manhattan to tour Columbia because I did always want to go to Columbia. You know, Columbia is the Ivy. It's the goal. It's that pedestal that you have in your brain. But, um, you know, when I was touring Columbia, I didn't really feel a lot of those same feelings. Like, yes, it is impressive in all of the ways that an Ivy and Ivy architecture are going to be. But, you know, I did feel much more you know, anonymous. It's a much bigger college. And, you know, coming out of high school and thinking immediately about throwing myself into like the most competitive community was scary for me. So while I was on the Columbia University tour, um, we went across the street to Barnard, which 
I will explain more, is a historically women's college. It was um, chartered in the late 1800s when Columbia University was still only offering education to men. Um, so Mr. Barnard, who would go on to become President Barnard, the first president of our college, uh, was on the board of trustees at Columbia and really petitioned for, you know, women should have their own college as well. Can we please get the charter for a comparable experience for women? And that's where Barnard came from. And it has maintained its independence from Columbia in that it is only accepting um, applications from individuals who identify with being a woman. But it also provides all of the benefits of Columbia University with a much smaller campus, a much smaller community, a much, you know, for me, cozy and comfy feeling, uh, you know, being right across the street from Columbia, you know, you have the separate one block of Barnard from the four blocks of Columbia and Barnard students can take all of the classes at Columbia, Columbia students can take all of the classes at Barnard, but it is just really nice to have, you know, a little escape across the street when the Columbia energy is a little bit too much. So I think that's, that's really how I came about to choosing Barnard, is Barnard has so much more, so many more resources for environmental science, for earth system science, which I knew at the time that I was applying I was interested in. Um, whereas Fordham didn't. So that was really the last decision between Barnard and Fordham, which were both in the city. But Barnard is where I really found the resources I needed with the, the community I also wanted. Wow, well, that is really great to hear. And and slightly unfortunate, I guess, that, that you weren't able to get the tuition assistance for... You know what? We ended up using our military money instead. <laughs> That's what the post 9-11 GI Bill is for, isn't it? Well, at least you were able to get, yeah, financial assistance in, in that way, at least. I'll end up being okay. Well, that is great to hear. And with that being said, I'll still be here with Tess, so please stay tuned after this break. All right, so I am still here with Tess, and so, first of all, before we go into the next part. I did want to, you know, thank you for everything that, that you've said. Cause I mean, I've like, and I said this, first of all, I'm always fascinated and like, in all the different conversations that I've had, like with my guests, like throughout my entire time doing my podcast, but I definitely really did enjoy my conversation with you. And so, and so first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out to be here. Cause I know you have a bit of a busy schedule. So <laughs> I appreciate you as well for inviting me again and having me here. Okay, absolutely. And so I'm going to give you some time now to, you know, to give some final thoughts or, or questions for the audience or even questions for me. The floor is all yours. Sure. I would love to actually ask you a question and give you an opportunity to talk a little bit. Sure. Um, I know that the loose topic of, you know, my time here today was STEM majors and the STEM experience at college. Why don't you talk about being someone who's interested in STEM and then why you didn't end up choosing a STEM major? Wow. So that that is a really interesting question. And, you know, I think whether director or indirector, I feel like I'm asked this question a lot. And so... 
and you know, I don't, I think I change up my, the way I answer this every time, but, but I think for me, I've always had an interest in STEM and how things work. And I mean, my curiosity, I mean, in fact, even like for me, like back in elementary school, you know, sitting down in the cafeteria where everyone's talking about, you know, what'd you do today? What'd you do? And yeah, I would like look at different stuff and it's like, how did they build this? I'm like, where's the wires go and like, which, which direction did they build it? So and so it's almost like a little engineering mind, even though physical engineering is not quite my thing, but I do like a nice, you know, put this together, put that together, just on a lot smaller scale where, you know, like life isn't like dependent on it. But, but yeah, but overall, I've always really enjoyed that. And I've loved, you know, the sciences and everything of that nature, but and especially technology given, yeah, I have a whole technology podcast blog and everything of that nature but I think for me it's like I kind of like the sort of like the instruction and sort of like the teaching aspect of it of being able to show other people and to express it out and so like for me I don't know I kind of like the whole for example, if you're going to give me a computer to fix, well, I can probably fix it. I would probably actually spend most of the time showing you how, how you can fix it. And so I think that's kind of how I got into even, you know, doing videos and stuff. And it, it's a, it's interesting how like I've evolved from, you know, middle school to where I knew I was like, STEM is my, this is where I want to be. I went to a whole STEM magnet school in middle school. And so like, I mean, I absolutely loved it there and that's how yeah, I got, yeah, that's how I got familiar with the, you know, the space grant as well, you know, because they always advertise their programs. I always saw the posters. And so I was just like, okay, well, let me go ahead and look them up. And so, so yeah, so that's how I knew I was interested in the overall field. But when it came down to it, though, I liked the, I guess, the application of showing, showing it to other people and yeah, and teaching it to other people and yeah, and other things of that nature, as opposed to truly, I guess, being in the field full time. And so I, I actually had gotten an experience of doing technology stuff back like two years ago now over the summer as a, a summer intern for a different program I had done where I got to do some kind of like um, I was interning as a network technician. And so doing a lot of stuff with networking and all that. And I really enjoyed my experience there and I would absolutely do it again. But it wasn't something I could see myself doing like every day, but it was something yeah. I definitely would, would do in my, yeah, in my free time if I was given so-and-so opportunity. And had there not been the pandemic, I would have done it for a second summer. But, but you know, but I think things happen the way they should be. So, yeah, I, I kind of knew it was like this. I don't know. It was like, okay, well, I'm going to really enjoy this. But after the summer, it's like, I liked it. I would do it again. But... I don't know if this is something a path I really want to go on. And so I think for me, and I think the way I've described it to other people, well, people have described it to me is where even though I'm not actually a STEM major, it's like I do so much stuff that, yeah, in communication, which is what I'm majoring in, that yeah, involves the STEM field. I mean, I even have the whole podcast where I've started off with technology and now I do you know, all different things, you know, STEM, tech, gaming, all of it. And so, you know, being able to to have that platform to speak about these topics, it's like, it's like, while I may not be in STEM myself, it's like, that's what I'm using my platform to really, really use it on. So it's like, I kind of get like a, yeah, a bit of both worlds in that sense. Yeah, I think that's really great. And I think what you're saying is really a great homage to how, you know, STEM, STEM really does happen in every major and everyone does have experience to it. 
but it doesn't have to be your focus, even if you do enjoy it. I like that. Hey, glad to hear it. <laughs> and so is there also anything else that you would like to, you to say or speak about as well while we still have yeah, just a few minutes left. I don't know that I have any pressing ideas, but I just really have appreciated our time together a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for, for being here. And like I said before, it's just so great to be able to, to speak with you. And I know we've been playing this for a little while, so I'm just glad we finally had the opportunity to yeah, take some time and chat. I'm glad it came to fruition. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so, and so before I let you go, I did want to ask uh, for any of those listening who who may be interested in continuing to follow along with your story, is there anywhere that they can, you know, can follow you or whatnot in order to yeah, really stay up to date with what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. My Instagram is the best place for just general life updates. And it's my name, Tess Himmelsbach, no spaces, no dashes, no nothing. Um, but LinkedIn is a great place if you want anything professional related. I do try and repost as much as I can. Um, about what I enjoy. So you can see things on there as well. Well, that is really great to hear. And so once again, Tess, thank you so much as always. And I, and I hope to definitely, you know, hear how the rest of your junior year goes as well. And to you, your sophomore year. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Stay safe, stay well, and I'll chat with y'all later.